You're listening to Nathan Chansky, and this is the Passion with Purpose podcast. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking to my friend, the incredible Trey Cockrum. So Trey is just an insanely talented entrepreneur who started his entrepreneurial journey at a very young age and is still crushing it today. He actually started as a young wedding photographer and was met with some incredible difficulty involved his house burning down, including the loss of all his gear and files, every photographer's nightmare. But he used that hardship to rebuild his entrepreneurial journey until today, where he runs a multi-seven-figure online coaching business. So before I keep you waiting much longer to hear all about Trey, his story, and all the wisdom he has to share with us. Let's dive right into the episode and hear all of this from Trey. Are you an aspiring creative entrepreneur or established small business owner with a fuel to pursue the things that light you up like nothing else? If so, you are in the right place, my friend. My name is Nathan Chansky, and I'm a photographer and photography business educator. On this podcast, I'm here to drop nothing less than weekly truckloads of business and marketing tips, mindset shifts, and transformative wisdom from my life and career to bring you into the highest potential self that God created you to be. I will see you right here each week and let's commit to learning, growing, and achieving our goals together one bold step at a time. All right, Trey, so awesome to have you on the show today, man. Yeah, I appreciate the invite, dude. Um, my fiance and I haven't stopped talking about the engagement session you gave us and just the conversations we had after after that shoot over dinner. Like, I just immediately consider you a friend, so I'm happy you invited me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, for the listeners, I actually shot some engagement photos for Trey and his fiance, and that's kind of how we got connected. It was like definitely out of the blue that mm-hmm. <laughs> I just like connected with you and it was so <laughs> awesome. So I'm so excited to bring like so much of, I don't know, our conversation back then to this podcast. And yeah. um, I would love to just hear for anybody that doesn't know you, like, who are you? What do you do? Yes, dude. So, um, you know, I know your audience is mostly photographers. So I'll share that, you know, my background, I actually started as a wedding photographer and um, I could give you the full sob story, but you know, we went through a season of life where our house was hit by lightning. And this is right as my kind of career was picking up and to figure out another way to make some money. And so um, I heard this quote, like, you know, your best asset is the knowledge that's in your head. And I took that to heart. And so I started selling like consulting, coaching online for the photographers, helping them grow. I'm no longer doing that anymore. That was like a year and a half, two years ago I was doing that, but I struck gold. Like it went really well the first year. And I spent like another year or two trying to figure out like what I did right. You know what I mean? Because like I didn't really understand like, because like I... I don't know if your audience is cool with numbers. You, you never know. I'll just drop the numbers. I'm and cool you with numbers. Know. Cool. All right. So my first year, <laughs> I sold about $125,000 worth of coaching. Okay. And um, I had no idea what I did right. And that's like yeah. an 18-year-old kid who pretty much all I knew is if I just upload a bunch of YouTube yeah, videos. Yeah, freaking 18. That's so insane. <laughs> dude. Well, I was. I, I had my back up against the corner, dude. And I can get more into that. Um, but yeah, so I figured it out. And it took me like two or three years to figure out what I'd done right. But as I kind of started to unpack, like, oh, like this is how you build a good coaching program. And this is like what people look for. And this is why people like coaching and the psychology. Of it. I just, it became like an art form to me. Yeah. It was like, wow. Like, like, and then I started noticing kind of what's happening with like public education and how like people are looking for alternative education and everything. And I was like, all right, let me yeah. see if I can like help people like, um, grow coaching businesses. Let me just see if I can do that. And so that's yeah. what I do today now. And so for some of our clients and students, we have like a piece of the pie of their business. Some, they just pay us outright. We've got 400 students, and it's come, we're coming up on just above 30 million in total earnings for our students. Wow, that's so, awesome! Yeah, it's super cool, man. So it's sick. a crazy, it's a total god thing. Like I, I would not have thought this is where we would be yep. four or five years ago. But you just, you just be still and listen for that voice, and he'll kind of he'll tell you what's next. So, okay, so I want to go a little bit back and touch a little bit more on kind of your journey because you have pretty strong ties to photography. And that's kind of how you, I mean, is that the start of your entrepreneurial journey? 100%. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, dude. The very first check I ever got was a family shoot for like 200 bucks. Um, so back when I was 16 or 17, I'll be honest, dude, I picked up a camera to impress a girl. <laughs> so like, it was Didn't just girl. We all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, I picked it up because there was this girl who like also shot photos and I just had this like vision of like us shooting like a wedding yeah. together. Somewhere. I was just like, oh, she was so cute and everything. 
And uh, was it worked. She was very impressed by it, um, which is great. But even better than that, in the long term, has been, um, and she's not the woman I'm engaged to. Um, you know, that ended up not really working out. But it ended up being a good source of income. So, yeah. like, I was like, oh, okay. Because I, I always kind of grew up in, like, a pretty entrepreneurial home. Like, my parents right. were very encouraging of, like, yeah, like, you know, you, you don't have to go to college. You know, figure out what you want to figure out. I was homeschooled, um, probably even teetering on unschooled of, like, there wasn't really even a real structure to it. It was just, like, you know, if you love something, go do it. Like when I was 12, my parents, I, I was very into computers and they allowed me to build my own computer. And so I yep. just learned how to do all that. I got on Google. I basically, you know, one of the things that I want to pass down to my kids that I think my parents said without really saying is like, the best thing you could ever learn is how to learn anything. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if you can learn how to learn things, then sky's the limit. Yeah. And now today I've read like 400 books on like marketing, sales, business ownership, mindset. Like I'm obsessed. It's an art, it's a science, and it's like how I'm going to take care of my family, you know? Yeah. So yeah, but back then, yeah. So I picked up a camera. It was like a Canon Rebel T3 um, with like the, the kit lens on it. You know, it was oh, like yeah. 500 bucks at Best Buy kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I got it for a Christmas present. And it was just a downward spiral from there. I got obsessed. And uh, I definitely would still be doing it today if it weren't for, like I said, about a year and a half, two years later, uh, lightning physically struck our home. And so I lost all of my gear. And it wouldn't be another two years until I got the insurance back from it, which is a part of why that season was so tough. Is yeah. We you know, we were insured, but stuff I can't really get into, legal things, and I want to honor my family and not really share sure. too much. But like, it took two years for us to get another house, basically, and the money back and everything. And so we were pseudo-homeless, not sure what we'd be doing kind of thing. And I didn't have any gear. And so I'd probably still be doing it today because I really did enjoy it. And it's nice now that my fiancé... I get to kind of live through her because she's doing it now. Yeah. It's very, very cool to me. So yeah. How, um, how old were you at this time? I think the Christmas gift hit my like life when I was like 15 or 16. I, it was like around okay. there, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you, your house was struck by lightning and your <laughs> yeah. house like burned down. Literally. So what happened like as a photographer, like what happened to your gear and uh, your hard drives and like everything? Was, Dude, I lost everything. So I had to refund to give numbers and I had to refund $20,000 in contracts because I didn't Ugh. at the time understand renting. Yeah. I didn't know anybody with gear. I live in a place, I live in an area in Indiana where there's just not, like I didn't have a connection with other people in the industry. Like I didn't even, yeah. you know what I mean? I was I was so out kind of on my own. So I, I didn't, there was no real solutions. And I also think maybe I, looking back, it was like three weeks into the process. I kind of was in panic mode. I was like, I'm just going to refund all these because I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. Right. Yep. If I was, if I know what I know now, I probably would have rented or whatever. But yeah, I refunded like almost 20 grand in weddings. And so I was negative, negative, negative in my bank account. Um, and uh, yeah, then then no gear. And it wasn't insured because I didn't have a business entity. So I was literally just like taking checks and putting them into my personal bank account and everything. Yeah. So they weren't. So yeah, that was that. That's so crazy. And then you kind of went into more the coaching route. So like, yes. I guess like, how did that evolve, if that makes any sense? And was it almost yeah. like you needed something to put your energy towards? And like, it was inevitable that something was going to happen, but that was the vehicle or like, how, how did this, how did it all translate? Yes. So that's a good question, dude. These are great questions. I think it was like half that I just needed something to put my energy to because I've always had that productive sort of like, I've got that blood in me. Yeah. Um, you know, it goes back generationally. Like my family's always, we've always, you know, we've always carried a lot of weight, which is kind of how we roll. Like my dad, my grandpa, would just, you know, we just roll like that. We like yeah. something big to attack. So probably part of it was that I, I also though think that, you know, at the time and looking back, my parents didn't need it, which is a blessing, but I wasn't sure that they wouldn't need additional income. Yeah. And, you know, this was the first time who I saw my dad, who's relatively, relatively well off. Like, you know, we grew up, pretty good no major fears or anything and this is the first time where i saw him like depressed anxious no yeah. idea what's gonna happen next just like properly like i've got this one memory of um seeing him um like to paint a picture like my mom calls me into the room in the rental home and he's on a treadmill that they had rented just to keep his body moving to keep him from having too intense of a panic attack and okay. this is a guy who I grew up, total pillar of the home. Yep. You never see him emotional. He, he's just total, not stoic, but just like can handle anything. Yeah. And this broke him. And so I think some part of me like awakened in that experience to like, all right, I need to figure something out. Yeah. Like, um, and so I didn't have my gear and everything. And, and I'd read, um, I think it was like Jim Rohn had this quote of like, the only thing you never get back is the knowledge. Knowledge is the only thing you, you will always have for the rest of your life. And I was like, okay, like what? 
you know, and I've, I had already helped a couple buddies for free, help them start the photography business. Like I had some Skype friends and like internet friends. I met in Facebook groups and stuff yeah. and like helped them do it. And so I was like, yeah, maybe I could do that. And so, uh, it took me like two or three months, but I put a bunch of YouTube videos out, built a small audience and, uh, the rest is history. Yeah, that that year blew me away. I had no idea I'd bring in that much. I thought I was maybe gonna bring in forty grand max that year, yeah. like hustling, but it was like 120 or something. So And did was, you ever kind of feel like I don't know, a level I think sometimes when you step into something new like that, um, especially if it's like in terms of teaching other people, did you ever mm-hmm. feel like a level of imposter syndrome or a level of like, ooh, like I'm not uh qualified to be here or like who would ever want to learn from me, anything like that? I think I felt the same level of imposter syndrome as I felt on that first wedding. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I've never done this before, but you trust right. me. So let's try it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, you know, it was the same level of like, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe this will work. Maybe it won't. If it doesn't, like I had no reservations in back of my head. Like if the student wasn't happy, like I'd give him a refund, obviously. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it was very experimental, but um, yeah, it was very validating when my first student, kind of, I, I just I literally had all, the, I had like probably, probably ended up saying like 20, 25 people work with them for as low as 500 bucks, as high as like three grand kind of depends on their situation, like what they needed, the yeah. schedule, they want everything. And, um, you know, I remember one texting me being like, oh, I just booked my first, uh, like 2000 and above wedding, which is like kind of my staple. I was like, if you're not yeah. charging two grand or more, I'll help you do it. I'll show you how. Yeah. That was kind of like how I approached it. Um, but again, like, like I said, I've been so out of the industry for so long. I, you know, I forget almost what I taught at that time. It, well, because now it, you're yeah. more in the line of, um, kind of like coaching other coaches, right? Yes, exactly. And, and and to be specific with it, it's it's really that process of like how to package and c- deliver a great experience because yeah. customer focus is, is superior to competitor focus and it's the only focus that really grows your business ultimately. So we're good at the science of breaking down a result that a student might be investing into achieving into a series of steps and helping you sell that. Yep. So. And you've obviously had a lot of success with that. So can I just talk a little bit about, obviously, again, you were pretty young when this kind of transition all happened, mm-hmm. but there must have been some massive mindset changes um, that took place for you at this very like transformative point in your career. And I mean, I just fundamentally believe that people don't come into a lot of success without some sort of mindset changing, or sometimes they come into the success and then their mindset shifts. What did Absolutely. that look like for you? Was there any like key takeaways that you found? Um, well, dude, I was lucky enough to at the time stumble into the work of uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Love his stuff. I've seen. I mean, I, I think I recommended you Psycho Cybernetics. I don't know if you've oh yeah finished or read that. I've read it dude. about four or five times at this point. Yeah, really? Was that the yes. first recommended to you? Absolutely, it was. Dude, Literally, like yeah. when I, I recommend it to everybody now. <laughs> it's so good, dude. It's for everybody such a that cool. for everybody that's listening, Trey was the first one who told me about that book. <laughs> that's awesome so hopefully that gives me some like street cred for you absolutely, guys absolutely um, it does <laughs> um yeah dude so i read that book and i was just like wow like i am who i say i am basically was what i realized from that book. Yeah. like you know like i i felt called like you know i i think i've always taken and i don't want to get i don't want to get like social or political but like i've always taken my role as a man very seriously and yeah I saw my dad struggling and I was like, this is men, men provide, this is what men do. And yeah. that was how I was raised. And so I saw that. And, but at the same time, I saw him not being able to process through what he was going through. There's a lot more going on than just the house fire it, sure. that rippled and caused a lot of other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, basically is one way of putting it. And so um, I was like, I have to figure something out. Like it wasn't yep. even an option in my head. It was like, this is how I was raised. Like men provide. Yep. And if I'm going to be a man, I'm going to figure out a way to provide, like straight up. And that's basically, that's what it came down to was, you know, and like I said, by the grace of God, they didn't even end up needing it. The insurance check covered everything, We, but we didn't know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a total dark season. So it's just like, yeah, like men provided. So I decided, okay, like I had a moment of just like looking at myself in the mirror, like 17 or 18 around that time. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I knew that who I was wasn't who I needed to be in order to achieve my goals, which is a new concept to some people. But yeah. again, I think some of these things I was just kind of raised with and and I kind of fundamentally kind of understood like you get in life and business reflections of yourself. Sure. So like it's not necessarily the business that grows, it's actually you and then the business reflects it. And these are concepts that, mm. you know, 
I have always sort of come naturally to me in the environment that I grew up in, I guess. I, I don't really know where they initially started, but that's why psycho Cybernetics was such a cool book because it was almost like, oh, I've never heard somebody really linearly explain these things that I already kind of knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just at that time, you know, I, start, I just bought a bunch of books and that was one of them and I read it and it was like, all right, that's cool. And of course, there was tons of others I can credit to, mm-hmm. but I, I just realized like, yes, I, I think I started to adopt the self-image of somebody that can bring something to the table. Mm-hmm. Because since then, photography was first to impress a girl, and then second, it was so I didn't have to work a job. You know right. what I mean? So it's like, those were the two motivations so far. And so I had to come up with like a new, like a new, you know, like uh, the find your why idea. Like I had yeah. to come up with a completely new why, which was like, you know, I never want to see this happen ever again to my family, ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I find that with a lot of people, it it has to come to that point for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether it's like, hey, like I have to provide for my family or I have to provide for my kids or I have to provide for myself. Like, I don't know, whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people come to that point and it doesn't really matter who you are, what your situation is. I think you almost have to have that that ultimate goal that is so personal to you that even when you fall back on different like fears or something like that, they kind of go to the wayside. It's almost like the only way that you're going to change is, oh, someone told me like the only way you're going to change is basically if like the fear of staying the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The fear of staying the same is basically worse than uh, the fear of moving forward. And so I think like for me, that was when I got married. Like when in my... Mm -hmm. Uh, literally right when I got married that something clicked. I was like, oh, okay. So I need to provide for my family and I need to either choose a career in photography and make this like a full career or I need to get out of it and do something else. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that was like a very pivotal moment for me. And I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people have to go through those. I, I hear all the time people go through those pivotal moments of like, yeah, it came down to this and everything and everything that stood in the way before, like these fears or whatever like that, they just, they kind of just um, formulated into thin air because I yeah. couldn't care anymore. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, it's like one, one of the things that I picked up along the way. And I don't know, you know, I was in such a, I honestly, the season was trauma. Like my yeah. therapist today, like you went through proper trauma and yeah. it, the blessing of trauma is it's oper- it's a, it's almost like a blank slate. You can, you can create something out of it. It's right. like you're go, you go through all this stuff and it's like, Ooh, y- your old self is now shaky. The foundation you're living life on is shaky. Everything's like the things you thought were true are no longer true. You know, yeah. that, that's, you know, trauma is one, one way to put it like that. And so, uh, one of the things that I uh, picked up, I don't know what book I read, but this idea is something I've, I've said to anybody that's close in my life, all of our clients. I mean, I, I, I just mirror this, like you won't always achieve your goals, but you will fight, you know, like a madman to maintain your standards. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so it's not always about goals. It's actually more often about digging deep and saying, what's my deepest, darkest standard. Right. And, and often people, it's not that they want a successful business. It's just that they want to prove their mom wrong. You know what I mean? And if they're honest with themselves, right? And so it's like, yeah. well, to prove your mom wrong, you only need like one good 60K a year. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you were right. You didn't need to go to college. That's all you really actually wanted. And so I just think we're in such a noisy culture. We don't take the time to unplug and really think and, and self-assess and think what's my actual motivation here and why am I actually doing this? And so, you know, um, I know now that my primary motivation, to be honest, at this stage in my career is just a pure love of the game. Pure yeah. love of the game is, is my motivation. I, I love working on this thing with my team. I love our student. I love, I love what it brings to the table for me financially. I just love every piece of it. Yeah. But I think to get started, it was, you know, obviously I had a standard of like, I'm not about to let my family go through this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I literally, we literally didn't know if we would be like homeless or not. <laughs> so yeah. it was like, I had to figure something out. Um, and I have like four siblings. They all felt the same way too. Like, I don't want to discredit them. Like they all felt the exact same way. Yeah. Like my wow. older brother, my younger brother, they, you know, they've all stepped up in their own. Like my younger brother runs a landscaping company. He's doing incredible with that. So like, I think it was a, one of those seasons where we're like, whoa, like, you know, like dad's not always going to have the bills, but like, you know, there are, the only thing you can really lean on is, is our, is our savior ultimately. Like, so yeah. And it's funny because a lot of times those situations will either make or break people. And um, in your case, it sounds like it made you, but I think in some senses, like I've known people who've gone through very traumatic things and like not to Mm -hmm. fault them, but it has like genuinely broken them. And and then I never see them kind of pick back up. So I think that a lot of times people think that if they hit something hard and they get into a situation where life throws them a curveball, that this is like, 
just this is the downward spiral and that's the only mm. direction they can go but actually i find a lot of times that is what is like the springboard to launch them into something that's totally. truly incredible and something that they've never even tapped into before yet you know what i mean totally absolutely and like you know uh, one of my one of the books that i read at the time was is a book called the power of now and i forget the name of the author but like he said like um change is a state of life. You, you change is you're always gonna be changing, and you know you can either resist that, resist that, resist that, or you can lean into it and make what right. you can of it. And like you know, I think at the time, I think maybe publicly, I kind of had this face of like, oh, everything's fine. Privately, I was like, oh, I got to figure a lot out. Right. Um, but it was almost like it was kind of like a fake it till I made it kind of thing of like, oh, I'm gonna figure this out. And like yeah. I wore that face, but in behind the scenes, I had no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. And neither did my family, but you know, lo and behold, here we are. Um, so yeah, man, I, I, and you know, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, I think there's this kind of, um, there's this, and this is a big idea to me that, that really helped me. I, I, I learned the hard way often that doing a hundred thousand dollars a year and now doing multiple millions of dollars a year, I don't work that much harder. And that's uh. like, I, I really don't, it's just higher leverage activities. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, they, it, let's, now I have a sales team, for example. The sales team does the hard work of taking the calls. They get paid. They love their job. They love the pay they make. They they refer people to work for me all the time. And if I had the space, I'd bring them on. Yeah. And, and like, it's just higher levers. You know, it's not yeah. hard. Work. And so, but a lot of, and I think a lot of artists, especially, and this was me, and this is why I can speak to this crowd because I didn't realize that that was the case. There was some. There was there was a mental association with more money with more work, and it's just not true. It's just not true. I work less now. Um, and, and do you find a lot of that is because you've outsourced a lot or systems or what do you what do you find is like the main uh, component of yes. that? Yes, 100%. It's, it's having built a team. Um, but more than that, it's having the experience to recognize what activities are actually ROI positive. Mm. You know, I, I remember being a photographer and I spent like six months building my website. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like as long as the website takes inquiries and it's got my portfolio on it, like I realize now today, it's like that's enough. You know what I mean? But I would change the font, I'd change the text, and I almost like a perfectionist's mentality. When mm-hmm. all that really matters is making offers to people that you want to serve. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You need to build a system that gives you as many people to make an offer to. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so for me, that became you know back when I was a photographer, it was just I focused heavily on Facebook organic and focused heavily on messaging everybody, literally everybody that liked and commented a post and everything. Hey, you getting married? Do you know anybody that's getting married? Like that was, that was how I did it. You know what I mean? And people just don't preach that. You know, they, they sit and they wait and they wait and they wait. And I guess I took a more proactive approach. So, and you found that proactive approach really helped you. Oh yeah. Cause I I think so many people overcomplicate it and they, they make it like this game of trying to, yeah, fine tune everything and trying to make sure Mm -hmm. that like, um, every part of your verbiage is correct or any, and I think sometimes it does, it's, it's a lot more simple than it sounds and, and just showing up as yourself and just like getting out there and meeting people and interjecting yourself into uncomfortable situations. Like that's going to go so much further than just, I don't know, sitting and sitting around and hoping that something comes towards you, you know what I mean? Totally, hundred percent. And like, you know, one of my favorite books, uh, seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. In the book, he says, like, the moment you point responsibility outside of you, you've lost your personal power. Mm. And I've noticed a lot of entrepreneurs, they're pointing, waiting for the Facebook algorithm, waiting for Instagram algorithm, waiting for, you know what I mean? It's like waiting for it to pop off so that you can then, but like, no, we have to proactively find ways to solve these problems. And um, I have, I've had to learn that the hard way over and over. Like, you know, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but we're dealing with a lot of complexity as a company right now. Like there's, there's like so many moving parts and everything. And like, I just, you know, my fiance, who you know, because, you know, you took photos, like, she's, you could ask her, it's almost like I almost take so much responsibility for everything that, like, it's, like, probably clinically, mentally unhealthy. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what the balance is. Right. But it's, like, literally, if we don't have enough leads coming in, it's my fault. How right. do I fix that? If we don't have enough revenue coming in, it's my fault. How do you fix it? If our students aren't happy enough, it's my fault. How do I fix it? Like, everything is my fault or my success. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's all just data for me to learn from versus right. putting something out there and just kind of hoping and, and waiting, you know? Yep. And, and I think that that shift was huge. And I think that was like the shift that caused my photography business to make any money at all, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because 
and not to pat myself on the back, I was a pretty good photographer. I really enjoyed it. I took good work. People liked yeah. me and everything. I just wasn't proactive about going out and finding that opportunity. Right. Um, to the point where, you know, my first $2,000 check came from a, uh, a wedding or a couple that I, it was a friend of a friend who I knew got engaged. I asked for their number and asked if they had a photographer. Wow. Like, I was just like, yo, you have a photographer? I'm like, no. I'm like, yo, let me give you a discount. Check my website. And then boom. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's just being proactive about it. So. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. So you definitely lead a very successful career, but it's it's probably a very big career. I mean, I don't, you might even say like, hey, it's not any bigger than it was because technically like your time isn't as spent. But I guess, how do you balance such a big career with your personal life? I know you're getting married this year. How do you mm-hmm. keep both areas of your life healthy? Well, first of all, healthy is relative. Yeah. So some, <laughs> some people are going to have some perspective of how their personal life is supposed to look. Right. Or how their business life is supposed to look. I define what healthy is for my life. <laughs> you know good. what I mean? Like, this is my life. I get to define what healthy is. Exactly. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to let my parents or my friends say, oh, be balanced. Like, right. I, mean, like, I, I hear you, but like, I know what I want. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and good. That's really, like, I could sit in that for like a hot second just because <laughs> so many people kind of interject their version of health onto you, you know what I yes, mean? Yes, dude. Yes, man. Like, especially in like, God bless parents, man. Like, I can't wait to be a parent and I can't wait to influence my kids. But I think a part of like, a part of this process of like, overall, and this applies into business, but overall creating the life that you desire yeah, is like shutting out any voices other than yours and God's. Yeah, It's you and God. That's the battle is, is you know, like, um, you know, in my, late, my, in my later years, I want to study and be able to speak and read Hebrew. And uh, that, you know, the word Israel actually means like blessed by God. And I'm not getting too religious on you, but I love that concept of like the only relation that matters is the one that you have with yourself and that you have with God. Everything right. else extends from it. And so like my dad might say, hey, Trey, you've kind of overworked yourself. You seem stressed. But then when I sit down at night, it's me. I've got no noise. And I pray and I sit and God, am I, am I good? Right. Like, are we good? Is everything okay? And I hear, yes, I'm gonna keep moving, Yes, you know? And so it, it it's just being willing to rustle some feathers and, and even my mom. So it's so funny. She supported me from the beginning with photography, but then I moved into this internet stuff. She can't really measure it. She can't really see it. She's not really a part of it. She didn't really get it. And, um, it took her like two and a half, three whole years to support it. Yep. You know what I mean? And it took until the money was really flowing for her to really see it. Do you think that fundamentally built into a lot of our DNA is just like this deep desire to make our parents proud? I feel like definitely dependent on your relationship with your parents. Yeah, it is. But I I feel like so often, just in my life, you know, especially when I was younger, I think there was just this like deep desire to just above all, like just like make sure my parents are like happy with me, mm-hmm. and almost like even if what they were promoting for me wasn't necessarily right for me, I just like had to stay in line with that. Or I I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of other entrepreneurs where they'll be like in college or something. Um, and they don't really want to be in college. They want to be an entrepreneur, but they're so mm-hmm. focused on staying in the college game because they're like, well, my parents, it just means so much to them for me to be here. And they're like paying yes. for this for me. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, have you ever experienced that? Or what, what would you say to people like that? Yeah. Well, I, I will say if I have a form of privilege, it's, it comes in the form of um, parents that um, are, were ultimately supportive. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were ultimately supportive, but I have given the advice to certain friends of mine. I've got one specific friend who I won't mention his name. He was either going to go into college and go get his degree, or he was going to go into sales. And the sales opportunity, he could very, very easily year one make about sixty-five grand, and he could raise into making about a hundred to one hundred and twenty over the next mm-hmm. three or four years. And I said, "Dude, like, what do you want to do?" Right. And he just said, "I want to go into sales." He's it's this software company here locally. He's doing a killer job. He's their top guy now, and I love it for him. He's been a buddy since I was like twelve. And, um, his parents, it's so funny, man. Like what I realize is, is, is people will cast judgments onto you that they would cast onto themselves if they were in your situation with yeah. their belief system. So true. And so, and so his parents, he's literally dude making $120,000 a year as, as like a 24 year old guy, like, dude, and, and he can work from anywhere, take calls remote. Like he's, he's made man. Right. And his parents still don't support it. Like, yeah. Why? What's because they have the idea of they have this connotation of what college meant for yeah. them, and it did mean that for them. Yeah. And so, God bless that they had that opportunity. I'm ha- I'm happy that they took it seriously, and that it, it did benefit them. 
Right. And so it's almost like I had to just understand, like, particularly, uh, I think my dad probably kind of saw what was coming. Maybe I think there was, we have a very close relationship in that way. Um, my mom, I think had the hardest time with it because I was homeschooled and I basically said, Hey, I'm going to put my homeschooling on the side. Like, I'm not going to do schoolwork anymore. I need to focus on this. Mm-hmm. And she took that very personally. Cause it's not even necessarily I'm done with schooling. It's, I don't respect you and I'm not going to listen to you anymore. And yeah. And so it took me a long time to realize that that's what I really told her because I didn't know why she was so upset because it's like, I'm bringing in this money. This is what we need right now. And like, I'm going to figure this out. Yep. But again, people would judge you based off of their worldview, not mm-hmm. actually the truth of your life. Yeah. Um, and so now today, you know, I've been able to like bless my mom and get her gifts and I take her, we've gone on trips and stuff. And so it's like, now she, she loves it. She, you know, <laughs> she's very happy about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it, it does come back to even just like the cultures that we live in that are different from mm-hmm. whether it's our parents or just like, you know, different people in our lives. Like I, I even have siblings who I don't think they, in a lot of senses, like, like I have siblings who like over Christmas uh, dinners, like they'll still ask me like, so what's your long-term plan? You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, well, I, yeah, you never know really how to answer that kind of a question. Um, right. Or like, you know, that, that happens so often or like my parents like really wanted me to go to school and they, they really... Um, pressure me to go into it. And I, I, I like don't necessarily fault these people because it's like, well, you're living in a very different context than I am. And, and you know, like even a lot of baby boomers, uh, college was the only vehicle that brought any sort of education. If you didn't go to college yeah. back then, you were uneducated. Um, yeah, and so I think sure. they think that is kind of like the status quo still now. And it's really, it's not, it's, it's much mm-hmm. different. It's much adapted. Um, mm-hmm. So it almost takes like a level of... <laughs> grace for just kind of putting yourself yeah, in their man. shoes you it's know? funny dude like literally i will literally go to thanksgiving dinner dude and man i'm gonna sound like i'm gonna sound so pretentious saying this but like <laughs> I, I drive up in a in a i have a model x my accountant had me buy a model x because it was a tax write-off so i could save money on taxes this there you year. go a hundred twenty thousand dollar car bill. yeah i drive up here to thanksgiving dinner i walk in with my beautiful fiance she's got a big old engagement ring on and my aunt is like, so what's your long-term plan? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the long-term plan. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I also believe like, you know, plan A should be like, um, um, was it Rockefeller? It was Andrew Carnegie. It was one of the two. He said, and some quote, and I hope you don't hear the hammering. My apartment neighbor is like hanging something up. Oh, you're good. Um, but he has a quote. He's like, my advice for all young men and women in, in industry, which is basically getting into business or doing anything off of their own sword. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, don't have a plan B. That was his advice. It's like the existence of a plan B takes plan A and invalidates it. Mm. And it took me so long to realize that. And now today, dude, like, and I'm so blessed. I've got, I've got buddies who are proper liquid multimillionaires after tax in the bank. And they, there's a saying of like, okay, you know, you've got the average millionaire, quote unquote, has like five streams of income, seven streams. Like that's, I saw it on like Reels or TikTok or something. It's like the average millionaire has this many streams of income. I'm like, it's actually not true. What I've observed is they take one vehicle, and we can apply this if we're wanting to put 10,000 in the bank or a million. It's the same yeah. principle. Take one vehicle and go as far as you can with it. Mm-hmm. And once it taps out, that's when the millionaires typically diversify and then have the quote seven streams. It's because now they're hedging against inflation, they're diversifying yeah. their assets, which is what you do at that point. But most, you know, well-off individuals, they take one vehicle. And I know for a lot of people, photography is 100% more than a financial vehicle. But if we're talking about the financial element, which is where I've spent most of my time, then I think it's important to note that just one vehicle all the way, no plan B. Plan B doesn't exist. Because otherwise, you're only going to half-pregnant your plan A. Because yep. subconsciously, in the back of your head, you're like, oh, I've got this on the side just in case. All right, my photographer friend, I want to talk to you about one of the most important parts of your brand as a photographer, your editing. Do you ever find yourself so proud of your photos after a photo shoot, but you get home and you open them in Lightroom and you're finding that they just are not editing the way you imagined? Or do the technicalities of Lightroom just like overwhelm you and you don't know half of why you do what you do in Lightroom and now you're constantly re-editing photos and uh, I get it. I totally get it. I've been there. I functioned that way in Lightroom for the first couple years as a photographer, actually, and it cost me so much time, energy, and confidence in my work. But then I decided I was going to learn Lightroom inside and out. It took me years of work, sifting through stuffy long YouTube videos and tons of trial and error 
So when I came out on the other side of this, I knew there had to be a better way because the empowerment that I had after comprehensively learning how to edit was incredible and transformed my photography work. But how could I package this knowledge in a concise, easy to understand format for others? Well, I did it and I'm so proud of it. And it's called the Photo Editing Course. So this Power Punch course is a six-hour, 29-episode masterclass of how to edit photos in Lightroom Classic. Its technical section fully covers everything in the library and develop modules, and its creative section covers my best and tried-and-true creative secret tricks to making your photos drop-dead gorgeous. You can even watch me edit my photos from start to finish for 50 straight minutes. This course is more than a coaching call with me or mentorship could ever provide you on the topic of editing at a fraction of the cost of a six-hour mentorship, I might add. So if you are ready for the first and last editing course you will ever need, if you're ready to take massive pride in the kind of edits your amazing photos deserve, head down to those show notes to learn more about the course, and I can't wait to see you dive in. And it's, yeah, it's even like a dimension of you if you if you have a plan a mm-hmm. and then you also have this plan b you can't put your full energy towards that plan a because you're just like in the back of your head you're just like well i might i might be able to you know go to this thing and i think sometimes yep. like our human nature isn't disciplined enough mm-hmm. to stick with the plan a if we know the plan b is there i just think mm-hmm. i mean i wish we were disciplined enough and i wish we were just like no i'm going to do it but i think sometimes again like that fear of remaining where you are and that fear of mm-hmm. like going backwards and that fear of yeah going to anything else the option of going in, into anything else is better for you um mm-hmm. than even having it there you know what i mean mm-hmm. absolutely and a lot of time it's fear driven yeah um you know and, and i just don't believe that any decisions we make out of fear are good decisions right you know i want to make decisions based off of abundance and what i believe the future can hold and excitement and a vision of the future not Oh, I'll settle for that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so I think it's just more of a life posture that has served me in my career more than it is like maybe a, a business principle. It's just, you know, I see the world as like a video game. We can play it however we want to yeah. play it. You know, it's just like we could, you know, I love this quote from Steve Jobs. He's like, the world was, the rules that run the world were written by people not a lot smarter than you and I. Right. And you realize at some point that you can poke life and something comes out the other side and like you right. can play with it. You know, and like, that's when things, I think that first year of like bringing that money, I was like, whoa, like something really clicked for me. And I know that I, I'm well aware of the amount of luck that was involved in that. And I so wish more people could experience that. But I do think you can artificially experience it with lesser amount of money, a lesser opportunity. But you just go out and say, you know what, I'm going to try this and see how it goes. And I think a lot of people, they just, they never do anything. Sadly, because especially because of how our culture is run, it's almost like they need permission from a higher power to go and do something. Yep. Whether it's parent or teacher or yep, college absolutely. or whatever. And dude, I gotta tell you, man, like the people that are giving you permission decided at some point in the past to be the person giving you permission. Yep. And uh this is something that it's funny. My fiance is such a stickler for the rules. Like you've met Lily. She's like, yeah. Oh, it says it said, you know, she's like, um, all these, she follows the rules to a T and it's such a funny balance because I'm just the absolute opposite. I'm like, if there's a rule, it's there to be broken so you see what the punishment <laughs> is. And if the punishment is bad enough, then I'll obey the rule. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It's a personality <laughs> thing, but yeah. So. No, I like that. So you talk a lot about your faith and it's, I would say, especially from a male entrepreneur, I do not hear that a lot. And mm. I mean, it's very refreshing for one. I will also mm. just say like, there's a lot of people out there that I think would, especially Christian people who would maybe have a problem with um, the idea of entrepreneurs making a lot of money or pursuing a lot of money or just Absolutely. pursuing money at all, I guess. Yep. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on that? What's your, like, do you have money mindset, mindset shifts that's happened for you? And do any of them kind of play into your faith and what you read biblically? <laughs> Big question. <laughs> It's a huge question, dude. And I am young enough and inexperienced in life enough to know that I don't have all the answers to that. Sure. I, I'm I, very, very well likely in the next six months, I'll have a spiritual awakening and I end up dropping everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I'm still discovering the answers for myself. Um, and I think it's important that I start there because to be honest, I'm not, you know, I'm 22, you know, so I'm still figuring so much out. And I have had a lot of long conversations 
uh, you know, with my creator. And I've been like, I, like, are we, is this okay? Are, my, are we good? And um, one thing that I have discovered uh, about money is, is, you know, money is fundamentally just energy. Hmm. Um, that's fundamentally what it is. It's, 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 you know, money in a bank's stored energy. Money flowing yep. is connected energy. You know, it's energy. And so um, just like energy is a tool, just like a hammer or a gun is a tool, like money is a tool. And it's ultimately going to reflect your character, um, how you use it. And, you know, I've met some of the most humble, um, respectable, kind, funny, friendly, accepting people. And I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like I'm biased, but I've met more people that I just want, like, wow, I want to be like that guy in more ways than just their wealth that are wealthy. Hmm. And I think it's because our culture kind of has this lie, you know, Hollywood has painted uh, the self-made entrepreneur is, is kind of this, you know, like I was talking to my fiance, like it's so easy to dehumanize these massive companies and stuff. Yeah. And I, I kind of get it. Like from the bottom, it's like, man, it's like this tall building. And it, like when you think about it as somebody who took a massive risk and who put everything on the table and risked their, their, their livelihood, their family, like, and they figured it out and they dealt with people and solved the problems and they creatively solved problems over and over again for 30 years forward. And they built this thing. Like mm-hmm. to me, there's nothing but honor in that. And, and, People can disagree with that, and that's completely fine. And you know, there's I can't deny there's a steep, steep wealth divide in our culture. No denying that. Um, and so it's one of those topics where I don't necessarily know if I have all the answers. I can say though that um, you know my motivation for making money is to make a lot of money, and I've no longer learned. I've I've learned how to grow out of the shame of that. Yeah. Because um, for me, I've found if I at all have any shame in that. Let's just talk about let's let's forget religion for a sec, and I, I hate to do that because it's such a fundamental like canon to my thought process. Yeah, how the world works is it's primarily money motivated, primarily. Um, whether we like that or not, we could change that. We could try to change that, and I have so much respect for the people who are going out there and trying to change that, starting different movements and like kind of like trying to help the system and make it better. But ultimately, it's how it's run for so long, and there's just not much that we can do about that. So I can either reactively wish things were different. Or proactively lean into the way that they are. Yeah. And it's kind of a dark thought because some people have so much identity and running against the system. Yeah. For me, at some point I decided, like, as a man, as somebody who wants to provide for my family, this is how the world works, and I can either fight that or work with it. Bringing back into that point my religious perspectives, um, the modern-day translation of the Bible, dude, misses so much about money. You know, the Bible mentions money and currency. I think it's six times more than it mentions the concept of love, if you do the math, huh. um, which is really interesting to me. And that's a controversial thing to say in church, but it's just true. If you read Proverbs, go through Proverbs sometime soon and right. see how many more times it mentions money than it mentions love. It's, oh, I just I just went through Proverbs. I'm yes. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Keep going. Dude, so it's like, why? You know, why yeah. is that? Well, I met a rabbi and his name is Daniel Lappin. And um, he says, there's only three things that um, you need to teach your kid in order for them to be a successful human being out in the world. You need to teach them three things. You need to teach them how money works, the spiritual orientation of money, what it really is, the fact that it's energy, you know, all these, all these concepts. And I know I sound kind of maybe mystical to some people, but for me, viewing money as energy helps me consider a flow. And when you manage a lot of different students, everything, it's like, it's very easy to see this energy. It's a very good mental model for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you see its role in culture, everything like that. You need to teach your son or daughter relationships, you know, romantic, friendly relationships, how to deal with people. And you need to show them who God is. If you teach mm-hmm. them those three things, they will be a successful human being. Yep. Honestly, like that's the foundation. And I was like, well, why money? Well, it's because it's like the word in Hebrew for money is the same word for blood. Mm. and it's really interesting and why is that well i was having a conversation with one of the team members and he's an incredible sales rep for our company and he said trey you know i hope you know i would do this for free i love what we do here and i want you to know i'm not money motivated in this season and i told him i'm said like well okay but just like a body isn't blood motivated you might not be money motivated but you need money mm-hmm. like if i wasn't paying you you wouldn't be here and i'm not i'm not unaware of that fact mm-hmm. you know what i mean so I don't know. It's just some of my thoughts on it. And look, of course, the stereotypical rich and completely out of touch with reality, those people exist, 100%. Um, but at the same time, just my personal experience, I've met so many incredible individuals who are self-made that were just properly spiritually aligned, high integrity, good character people. Because when you think about building a company, it's just a series of relationships, Mm-hmm. Over and over and over and over and over again. Client relationships, 
uh, team relationships, your relationship with your state, your government, all this stuff, you know, your relationship with your bank. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of relationships. And well, who fails in relationships? Well, it's people who lie. It's people who deceive, yep. you know, it's people who don't stick to their word. You know, those are the people who fail in their relationships, whether it's romantic or business or whatever. And so I've just found, you know, generally to be true that um, I admire a lot of people who have done very well for themselves. So that's that's my thinking. But I can't necessarily say this is exactly why I think getting rich is what God wants for you. I'm not, I'm not, I don't lean that direction. I, I think, you know, he's got a calling on different people's lives. Some people it's $50,000 a year and, and their focus is completely on their church or their family or whatever. Yeah. You know, I know that my calling is is one of uh, building wealth and building a company, and that's that's what I'm doing. You know, and yeah. I, I, I be, I'd like to believe that I'm following God's voice while I do these things. But, you know, again, I'm 22, and I, I could be corrected. So Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that humility. That's so refreshing because, obviously, we don't—none of us know it all, and I don't think we're ever mm-hmm. going to know it all until we actually, like, <laughs> see the Lord. But Need our creator, dude. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, yeah. but I do think that, like, so many things that you touched on were so just incredibly powerful. Like, even, even the fact that you were talking about how um, there have been so many people that you've looked up to, uh, mm-hmm. not just from a level of their success, but also their character, because— um, you know, there's, I, yeah, there, I think there is sometimes a thought of being a, uh, kind of like the person below somebody. And you almost think mm. to yourself, well, I can't, I can't be in community with this person or I can't get anything out of this person because, um, I'm going to feel like some sort of competition or I'm going to feel some yep. sort of inferiority complex. But mm. in reality, like, is that a, is that a them problem or is that a you problem? Is that your pride. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and we've all met just as many people. I find this funny. I, I, fe- I have met just as many people, if not more, who are poor, who are very unhappy and very mm. prideful and very mm. um, uh, just not a light in their life. Um, yeah. I've, I've met more poor, poor people, I think, in that situation than probably rich people. And so I really yeah. can't say that 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 the rich uh, dimension of that is is why maybe somebody yeah. is uh, not a nice person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny because even at my stage, like I'm gonna be honest, I still I still feel so poor. Like I, yeah. I look at people that are like uh, ten times bigger than our company in the exact same industry, and it's just like ah, like right. It's perspective. Like, it's just perspective, man. It's always perspective, and you know, like at the end of the day, like it's funny, dude. Like this is my honest belief: living in America or living in any Western country. If we are having a class issue, it's like the 1% fighting with, against the other 1% yeah. because they don't like that they drive a nicer car. Like yeah. go go visit go visit rural cities in Africa for a few months and you know I've done some mission trips out there and um my sister's actually adopted from Guatemala too. She's adopted from a very rural city in Guatemala. So I, we spent like 6 months there when I was like 8. And so and my parents did a good job giving me kind of that well-rounded perspective. I'm like dude, like we're so blessed in America. You make uh-huh. fifty grand a year. You make more than most people in the world, yeah. and people don't people don't understand that. So, it's just you know, the class warfare stuff. Dude, it's just it's it's completely unproductive. And, and I agree with the whole, you know, like um, above and below thing. Yeah. You know, often people who have an inferiority complex are also subconsciously looking for people who they're above. Yeah. So if you're looking for people who you're above or who you're below, it's like that's that's more like a paradigm of how you view the world. And I think that needs solved. Like when I really let go of that and I stop seeing above and below and just me versus me. Yeah. Like what can I learn from this guy above or below? Like everybody has a lesson for me. Everybody has something they're significantly more proficient than I am at yep. and things that I'm way better than them at. And it's just we all kind of mingle in this way and, and we can learn from each other in such a fantastic way. Um, that I think maybe envy has gotten in the way of, unfortunately. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think so much of money, like I, I think so many toxic money mindsets are actually uh, instigated by very unhealthy characteristics yeah. of humanity. I mean, even even when you think of, um, like for instance, like at the beginning of the show, you were like, I don't know how your audience feels about money, and and what you're alluding to is that there are certain people that are very upset by someone um flash flashing money you know what i mean yeah. if i've ever if i've and ever if i've ever yeah. said something like this is how much money i make or anything like that like i people get upset and so yeah. i do think it comes from a place of um almost like thinking projecting judgment onto the other person like this person must be judging me for saying this yeah. and it's oftentimes because we actually judge other people, or we have judged other people. Um, like, like, I don't know if you've ever, uh, kind of been in a situation where you, you've, you've hit a really massive achievement 
And oftentimes when you hit those achievements, it's funny because the only people you can tell who are happy for you are the people that are above you. Yes. So often you yes. can never tell those things to people that are below you. Below you. I've and learned it's that like, the hard way, man. I yeah. lost so many friends, dude. I lost so many friends because it was it's, like, oh, you think you're better than me? I'm like, no, man. I just, I just, was like, I just genuinely. Want. Yeah. So yeah, man. And, so and I just, weird. oh man, it's uh, in Australia they call it tall poppy syndrome. I don't know if you've heard that concept, but it's just never like the happened. idea that like it's this idea that um, I think it's like New Zealand or Australia or something like that, and it's this idea that like you know the lawnmower, the the first you know, flower, which is called a poppy, I guess it's a type of flower to get mm. run over by the lawnmower is the tallest one. Yeah. You know, and culture is kind of like that lawnmower. It just kind of every once in a while just, just brazes over and makes sure you stay right in your place. Yeah. Uh, and I think I had to break out of that. And, and, and to be honest, there was no way for me to break out of it other than to make a lot of people very uncomfortable for a few years. Yeah. And it, that was just the only way around it. And now they've come around. A lot of these same people, it was a very, it was a very true test of our legitimate friendship and even familyhood or whatever the word would be there. And so, you know, I've had to recover a lot of relationships and, um, but ultimately, you know, I think when somebody really gets to know me and I can't, you know, necessarily say this is completely true. It's like, ultimately they see that like I've sacrificed what is worthy of the thing that I've built, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and you see that with everybody that's at the stage that they're at. Like, you know, I cannot, um, I cannot even fathom the amount of cultural ridicule, the amount of you know, shame, the amount of guilt tripping that is placed on some of our, you know, like the billionaires in our culture now, how they got their money, legitimately, yep. illegitimately, whatever. Reality is, you know, some of these guys have a lot of psychological damage. Yeah. And there's a reason why entrepreneurs statistically have a higher suicide rate than a lot of other groups of people. Huh. And I think that feeds into it. And wow. so, you know, I, I think it's a very unaddressed issue. And of course, I speak, you know, as being a member of that party. Um, but, you know, reality is we're all human and we all have the cards we've been dealt. And I've got buddies who, who their parents were 10 times more successful than anybody that I ever knew. And they're total bums. And I've got yeah. the inverse. I've got one of my best friends. He's a single mom. You know, he grew up um, in like uh, a situation where his father was in and out of the house and like very toxic home, abusive. And he's, he's doing incredible for himself. And so mm-hmm. it's just like, it's the cards you're dealt and how you deal them that matters. Yep. And absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the uh, Freudian versus Jungian psychology. We can get into that of like, can people actually change, you know? And I believe right. they absolutely can. So. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Um, you, it's really funny because I, I always like to ask people kind of like, you know, their thoughts on just the mind and the subconscious mind. And like, you know, I, I think so many very successful people are, are very uh, in this headspace of manifestation um, mm-hmm. calling things in from the universe. And I know for me, like I've definitely dealt with a lot of like, sh- what do I believe? What What's true? What's scientific? Um, but then what also is like too far? What's not surrendering myself and my business to the Lord? Um, I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts on just like that topic a little bit. Mm. Well, I think one of the things that has really comforted me is who does it all belong to? You know, um, mm-hmm. like, Ultimately, I'm going to die. Like, I can't avoid death. No amount of money can make you avoid death. Mm-hmm. No amount of money can make you avoid the nature of the human condition, which is right. on some level, we all need the same things. We need love. We need acceptance into a group. We need, you know, certain things. And so, you know, those things I think are biologically and spiritually more important than maybe. I don't know if I'll agree with myself in the future on this, but I think those are more important than money. Um, and so for me, you know, surrendering to God while also taking full control of your life to me has looked something like understanding that God set the stage. So this body is, is his to me. Um, the world is his to me. The economy that I serve in is his to me. And so by surrendering to God, I, I, I guess maybe the way that I could put it is like, I'm doing the best I can with what he's given me. Yeah. And in that way, I almost see that as I almost see that as surrendering because it's almost like, okay, God, this is the landscape you built. Okay. I'm going to surrender to it and, and, and make do with what I can. Yep. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's true or not. You know, I'm sure some theologians will message me listening to this podcast and challenge that. And honestly, <laughs> I'm open to the challenge because like, yeah. I, I want to know what I think in these areas. Um, but I, I can I can honestly say that I feel no, I wish I could psychoanalyze myself and understand how I got here, but I feel, I feel no sense of lack of connection with my creator that I'm consciously aware of from before having a good amount of money and after I feel no difference. And, and of course, that is, that is just my, that is my, you know, 
awareness of myself at the age of like 22. So who knows, right? Um, so I definitely think there's been seasons where my faith has taken a backseat. And in those seasons, I'm like, why am I so depressed? <laughs> yeah. Meaning it's like, all right, well, it's because I haven't spent that much time in the Word recently. I haven't, I haven't like legitimately invited God into the room and been like, yeah, like, what do you want from me? You know? Right. And like the reason I'm getting married, I have a lot of friends being like, Trey, like, don't get married. Like you're too young, your career, everything. I'm like, no, like God told me I should marry this girl. I knew right. it from the second I saw her that I'm supposed to marry this girl. So I'm marrying her. Yep. I prayed about it that night. Like I knew immediately and she didn't even know. And so I, but I knew. So, yeah. um, yeah, dude, I don't know. Um, I do think like manifestation and like vibrations and like the energy you put out in it. I've studied a lot of that. And a lot of it I think comes from like Eastern religions and mysticism. And uh-huh. I think there's some truth to it. Just like there's some truth in a lot of things. And I've practiced like visualization and manifestation in my own ways. I do think that there's elements to the realm that we live in that we don't understand yet. And yeah. that only God understands. And I think we are, I think humans, we often put ourselves in a bit of a box and think that our consciousness just exists in our brains, but I think our consciousness goes a lot higher. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, I have, uh, this is just my opinion and I could be very, very wrong. Um, yeah. So I, I, but yeah, like to be honest, like every time that I build a vision board, I, I go and I do it every yeah. time. It's been literally every time. And that's, that's in part because I take a ton of action, but it's also because of uh, the psychological concept of confirmation bias. Like whatever you're looking for, you're going to find, Yeah, you know? Um, and a lot of the time people without realizing it are looking for reasons why they won't make it work. They're scared. Yeah. They're acting in fear. And because they're looking for those things, they'll find evidence of it. Um, so, you know, if the listener has any free time, go spend some time looking at confirmation bias and uh, reticular activating system, RAS. Um, confirmation bias, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. It's like, you know, you've bought a new car, I'm sure at some point, and you start seeing that car everywhere, you know? Yeah. You bought a new shoes, you see everywhere. Whatever has recently happened in your life, you're going to find more of. Yeah. Whatever you believe to be true, you're going to find more of. So, like, I think on some level, I had to almost, like, convince myself that I could do the things that I say that I want to do so that I can then find mm-hmm. evidence for it. A lot of people think that the success comes and the identity comes after. I think the identity comes first and the success follows. Yeah. Um, that's a huge one, huge realization for me. Um, the other thing is the RAS concept, like particular activating system. It's basically, it's this, uh, lump of nerve endings where your spinal cord meets your brain and it basically filters what information is relevant. So like mm-hmm. if we, um, if we brought everything in our environment in, we'd have a seizure and die on the spot. Like it's just too mm-hmm. much information. Like literally just the amount of color on my desk would probably send me into like a shock state. Right. Mm-hmm. But instead, my brain, you know, God designed the brain in such a way that it only processes what it needs to process so that you can burn as few calories as possible. Because if you think about most of our organic structure, it's about intake and outgo flat of calories. It's one of the primary, you know, use cases. And our brain is trying to burn as few calories as possible. Mm-hmm. So the RAS exists. Why is this relevant? Well, uh, again, it's kind of like digging further into confirmation bias. If you deem a piece of information relevant, it'll stay. You know, since I was about 17, I've been obsessed with making money. Like, honestly, just outright. And I have no shame about that. I don't feel any sort of a spiritual issue with that. I might mature mm-hmm. into feeling a spiritual issue or that might change. But it's because of my family. It's because of my personal goals. Mm-hmm. And so I've been looking for evidence everywhere I go that I can. And mm-hmm. so right now, you know, and I'll give numbers again because we're far enough into the podcast that somebody would have already tuned out if they were offended. So I'm just going to give you more numbers now. <laughs> um, we, do about, we do about $2 million a year total in revenue and we're aiming at doing 10 million a year within the next four years. Awesome. And when I decided to start aiming at 10, literally about eight months ago, I just sat I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to aim for 10. All of these pieces started aligning. Oh, mm-hmm. I could probably put this person here and Oh, I could probably change our offer in this way. Or, Oh, I could, yep. when you decide to do something and you're, you're actively looking for it, you can find the solutions and your RAS is that filter. Like I wouldn't have seen the ability to, for example, one of my team members named Jeremy, like give him a better role in my company with more responsibility because he's really proven it to me that he could do that so I can outsource more there so I can, you know what I mean? Like these yeah. little pieces are falling into place when you just decide to start looking for it. Yeah. Um, and it's a powerful, powerful tool. So, And I feel like it, it doesn't even have to be uh, like super mystical. I think a lot oh. of it is like, like even what you're talking about, this is very understandable. Uh, t- like this is very understandable discourse. I'm not... I'm not like, oh, yeah. wow, you've lost me into this, like, you know, mysticism <laughs> thing, you know, like, no, like, this makes sense. And vibes, like, yeah, no, and, yeah. I, and I mean, like, no shame to people who believe that, but like, I think for me, sometimes we almost, uh, we almost feel like if anything goes a 
above what is like most culturally talked about uh, or just some something that we don't normally hear about. We think that it's like too far. We think that like, oh, yeah. it's like, you know, extra biblical or we think that it's yep. something we shouldn't be looking into. But I think a lot of these things, mm-hmm. I, I mean, just from my personal opinion, when I hear about these kind of things, I guess I get more in awe of God's design and I'm just like, wow, this is like, this is incredible. You know what I mean? And, and this is like the way that like God has made us. Or even if you look at animals, like I look at my dog, like who Mm. is a tiny little golden doodle and she like, it's a dog, like it's a dog. Like Mm. obviously like dogs are smart, but, and just Mm -hmm. the way that she will learn something like my dog will never make the same mistake twice. It's so interesting. And she will immediately like, absorb something as basically like negative feedback and she will be like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that again. And you just look at that versus us and we're made in the image of God. And it's like, Mm -hmm. if you think of yourself in that way, I think there's so much power in that. And Mm -hmm. especially if you look at your brain as this multifaceted, uh, heavy lifting machine, I don't know. I think it brings more glory to God, frankly. I, I absolutely do too. I'm a reflection of God. I mean, you know, everything that I will achieve will be a reflection of my creator's ability to create something in somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's how I see it. And whether yeah. that manifests itself through a very high quality marriage or it manifests itself in leading a church or yeah. manifests itself in working a, a job really well for 30 years, being the best employee there or it manifests in growing a company, yeah. whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think, um, yeah, that's that's my view. I think I think it's just a reflection of our creator ultimately. And like, you know, that word image of God is an interesting thing. Cause like image could mean like, oh, four limbs. Right. Or it could mean like we think like him. Or it yeah. can mean like he's given us certain capabilities that maybe we're not even aware of, which sounds super mystical to some people, but I think it's like the idea that, you know, our consciousness is a bit higher than maybe we even are aware of. Some people right. think our brain is just there to process what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel, and that's basically all it does, and it stores memories. Yeah. But that's not actually, there's so much more to it. Um, and I, I tell, I told one of our, uh, like top students, uh, this recently, I was like, you know, like for me, visualization is like the, you know how all rivers lead back out to the ocean. Like how I yep. see it is like my action level is the rate at which the water flows through the source of the water is the visualization, the thing that I'm after uh-huh. and the ocean is the achieving of the goal. So mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not just thinking about your goals that will arrive you there. It's cons- it's betting on yourself that you will consistently move forward no matter right. how much resistance you face, right. sacrificing things to do it. And you've got a clear vision of exactly where you're going. And every time yeah. that I get back into the state of this is exactly where I'm going, I'm going to get there no matter the cost. And I sign that mental contract, no matter the cost, I'm going to get there. Uh-huh. And then I trust myself to take it. I've gotten there every single time. Yeah. Um, awesome. Especially when you have the clarity of vision of exactly where you're going. I think most people, they're like, quote, I just want to have a successful business. Yeah. Not good enough. How right. much money exactly do you want to make? How many clients do you want to serve? What do you want your clients to say about you behind your back? Yeah. What do you want your family to think about your career four years from now when you're starting to sit? Like, get very real with yourself. And I've found that it's pre- it's a powerful thing to get very specific. And most people, again, like I said earlier, they're waiting on permission from somebody else but you have the permission to get very specific about about what you're going to build and then go in to build it. Yeah, yeah I love that, dude. I lo- I think that's so powerful. I think there's so much that people can get out of that, just like just that <laughs> alone. Just kind of like it as an ending question. So, what I always like to ask, not always, but I like to ask this to a lot of people. Like, if you could go back and talk to a previous version of yourself, maybe less enlightened, maybe maybe like Trey, who hasn't even started anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever that is, like, what would you tell a past version of yourself, whether challenge, encouragement, advice, anything? Yeah. I just think like, I would tell them that the sacrifice isn't as bad as you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I think I was very scared of going all in and losing certain things and, uh, losing certain comforts or losing the approval of certain people in my life. And, um, it wasn't that bad Yeah, <laughs> and it held me back for a very long time. Wow. And so yeah, I, I wish I could go and tell him like, look, dude, like, you'll be okay. Right. And and I, and I think, you know, for me, I very, that phrase is, everything's gonna be fine. It's a very powerful one for me. Like, you'll be okay. It's okay. You'll make it. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. like, even when I say it's okay, like, I feel a, a, a visceral response in yeah. my gut. Absolutely. Like, I think that was one of the most powerful things that like my parents would tell me. It's like, I'm going through, it's like, hey, it's gonna be okay. You know? And I think I would just tell my younger self as he was staring at this mountain of like, can I even do it? I have no idea if I can. I'm just, this thing freaks me out. I And then I started in 
mixed to that. I had all this resistance from friends and family and people that didn't get it and, and whatever. It's just like, it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. And, and you need to trust yourself that you can because yeah. I promise you can. So I love it, dude. That's so good. Um, for anybody that doesn't get, doesn't follow you yet, that doesn't connect with you yet, where can we find you? Like online, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I'm scattered, dude. I got YouTube, Instagram. Um, those are my two main ones. I don't have any sort of a main platform currently. You know, I'm kind of a little bit ghost mode on social media. Like my team runs most things. You know, I'm, yeah. I I have maybe an hour of screen time a day on my phone. They do most of it. So for me, uh, we'll be picking up YouTube again very soon. I'll be active on there again. So maybe you just look up Trey Cockrum on YouTube. That might be a good place to do it. But again, it's mostly going to be for people who want to start a coaching business. Like that's our main message. And I could talk about this stuff all day, but yeah. ultimately it's not what brings us revenue. And I have to focus on growing the company right now. So we're going to have a lot of that message over there. Um, and maybe just save talks like this for podcast interviews. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. Well, dude, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for your time. I think people are going to get so much out of this. Um, mm-hmm. And hope you have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, dude.